Like a virgin Podcasting for the very first time dun, dun. Like a virgin Here on Orcs Episode 9 If it's not episode 9, I'm really sorry It just rhymed on the spot with time So I thought 9 time it just worked. Hi, this is Kevin Seko here for Oxyd Wears. Insert ba 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 ba. I am a singer-songwriter, musician, slash Jacqueline of all trades. I'd like to think. And today, I would like to share with you my musical journey, along with my undying and somewhat unhealthy obsessive devotion to opera and perhaps how it somehow trickles down into influencing my writing. So for as long as I can remember I always had music around in the family, like the the family sings. I think that's very much an African thing, having a household that is very musical and every time we visited my grandparents it's like prayer in the afternoon, midday prayer, morning prayer, and then six o'clock evening prayer as well. And that's of course accompanied with like a an entire, well not a, an entire prayer and worship session, but singing and hymnals and it's really beautiful. So music's always been, been around and my great grandfather was a big lover of Western classical music. So I was introduced to, to choral music and ensemble music and opera music I think from a very very young age and I naturally gravitated to it. I also think I started writing very early. My grandmother always tells me stories of me walking around the house humming or at bath time I'd be singing up these melodies with absurd um, unheard of lyrics and she'd ask what song that was and I'd just reply own composition, own composition I'd always be just own compositioning and thinking of it now there was times in in the household where I'd break up arguments between my, my mom and dad with you guessed it, my own compositions um, funny to think of now but I think it was a big coping mechanism I just try stop these arguments and I get between them and I'd be like don't shout at dad don't you raise your voice at mom I'm pretty sure it was something along those lines or something um there's actually one instant where I gone to trouble at school I don't think it was really trouble but it felt like trouble um we had a unprepared reading i don't know if schools still do that now but we had unprepared reading and i had to read from goldilocks and the three bears i want to say i don't remember how many bears but it's definitely goldilocks and she goes into their house to steal their porridge and try out all three beds or something like that and when it was my turn to read i stood in front of the class and i recited the whole thing in song so I had to head down to the HOD and they're like, okay, give us that performance again. 
and I felt attacked so I buckled under the pressure and I just remember crying. Writing though, I always, always wrote. It was a fun thing to do. I kept this pink diary. Uh, it had a, a My Dear Diary title printed on it and a, a cartoon on it that resembled Lizzie McGuire, I want to say. And I'd write these little lyrics. I don't know where I've put it now. I cannot find it for the life of me. But writing was a big escape for me and I think writing was a big way for me to communicate things that I couldn't find the vocab for. So I just set off to school and journal out these little songs that I'd sing to myself and never ever share. I think the first song I ever ever fully wrote, like one that had a full beginning, middle and end, um, it must have been called Broken, I think it definitely was called Broken Hearted and it was melodramatic about heartbreak, it was a very Adele-esque I honestly don't know what I knew about heartbreak as a 10, 11 year old, but I wrote it and the lyrics are super melodramatic. They are very far from the experience of a 10 year old. But I mean, this is a 10 year old who grew up listening to Destiny's Child belting cater to you and um, R&B people singing in the rain. So I think that influence was definitely something. And I'm gonna find that song and I'm gonna just play it. I, well, I yeah, remember the chords now, but I'm gonna find it and maybe I'll SoundCloud it or work on it. But I think it was very pretty. It was a very pretty song. Um, went along, something along the lines of, um, I was so happy I could die. Now I'm falling from the high. Um, you left me broken. Yes, that's what it was. Uh, So happy I could die Now I'm falling from the high You left me broken high Don't ask me what a 10 year old had to be broken hearted about but this 10 year old clearly did Now back to the opera um, I really love how opera is essentially a series of these unfortunate events that oftentimes could have been avoided or didn't need to happen at all and they are insignificant maybe if you put them by themselves but together and of course using like the the technique of making everything just super dramatic and overblowing things as opera tends to do it just becomes this big grand scale drama i think it's very much like bollywood nollywood type things um there's a, a really nice quote i forgot by who it, it goes something along the lines of only an opera does uh, the man gets shot and instead of dying he bursts into song I uh, just really love that and I think it's very true romanticize your life man romanticize it I live by that um, the, the whole pick me energy and 
grand the grand gestures in opera like there's a movie i'm thinking of i don't know what movie it is but the it's a, an iconic scene with the guy and the boombox standing outside the the lover's window opera is like very much that but just on this grand scale of just grand gestures and love and deceit um sometimes incest but we won't get into that <laughs> there's just a whole lot of action going on it really is essentially a live action movie disney should like get on it and do something there but the art of romanticizing one's life i love it i live by it and honestly my sanity often depends on it my first experience with opera or let's say like the full the first full length opera i watched must have been cake nets overture like back when sundays were sundays you had cake nets overture at uh no it started with imizulili at one on sabc one and you watch like all these choirs do amazing things uh overture on cake net at two and that was usually operas or screenings of Artica Fiers was really nice and then of course carte blanche in the evening but this one particular Sunday they were doing a screening of Aida and I just oof oof I just knew like the music was amazing the high seas were seeing the orchestra was orchestrating it was just so much talent all condensed into like two and a half hours or so I was just blown 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 away I'd like to think I must have been a an opera diva of the stage in a past life just because of the the sheer gravitational pull that these heroines have on me they honestly have me in a chokehold the stories and drama aside I definitely like how with each listen of of a production or it could be just an aria or the overture whatever it is there's all these little elements that you just keep finding because it's so much going on it's the it's the orchestra and that has like hundreds of instruments um there's the musicians it's soloists it's choruses it's a whole lot of texture and i think that definitely has influenced my writing unconsciously so because i'm very conscious of um having said choruses and layering and you know instrumentation using the voice in this like ensemble effect and by choruses i obviously don't mean like the chorus or the hook but the idea of having the chorus that supports the soloist or a little vocal ensemble of like duop duops in the background definitely definitely love doing that i'm very very conscious about how the vocal a cappella sounds whenever i write or work on things myself i think that is very much an influence of not only listening to a lot of choral music but definitely my my early years with my gran and watching her work with like the church choirs and all of that um 
definitely my years and time with like school choirs that have really helped and influenced and definitely the obsession with like operas and you know listening to the latest version of this chorus doing this and the philharmonic doing that so i'm very much conscious of the vocal a cappella when i do my writing or my vocal production i'm obsessed with vocal production um so one of the things I, I do a lot or I like to, to do in the creation process is to just isolate the vocals and listen to how that alone makes music and rhythmic textures and movement and excitement in the ears independently of the, the instruments. And then you just bring the instruments in on top of that and it's, oof, it's magic. Magic, magic. One aria that really has my heart and that I really think is a great example of that tone painting and texturing and excitement, um, especially using just the vocal ensemble, is Puccini's Ancora un Passorovia, and that's from Madama Butterfly. If you haven't yet watched or listened, to that opera, please, please, please do give it a go. I think it's it really is a great and easy introduction into like opera music or the world of opera. She's beautiful. She's perfectly packaged in an easy to follow plot. She's the perfect model for a tragically beautiful ending. And if she did wear tights, which she doesn't, she definitely would have stoned those tights herself. So the story of Madame Butterfly is one of a, a Japanese geisha who marries an American naval officer by the name of Pinkerton. We hate him. We hate him in the South. But it is romance. It is heartbreak. It is tragically beautiful because Butterfly obviously comes into this marriage at a young age and she's doing it for all the right reasons. She's in love, she is perhaps infatuated and she's very much innocent. She very much is a butterfly in the situation as opposed to the American officer who is just going into the marriage really for entertainment purposes, for not not necessarily for love it's just to bide the time that he's in japan for butterfly on the other hand or chocho's son is very much naive and she's 15. that's another like it's this big age gap where she goes into this with so much excitement and pure love at this whole thing playing out in front of her and how she's now a new woman and finding love. I also think exoticism may play into it a bit because you have the American officer who's just obsessing over this Japanese geisha girl and the Japanese geisha girl on the other hand is obsessing over this partnership with the American naval officer. That definitely plays into it too, I think. But the first act is this beautiful marriage and the ceremony. She gives up her religion to take up Christianity because he's American Christian and forsakes her family for it. But 
naively thinks she has her husband forever and it's what needs to happen. Once he's done with his time serving in Japan, he leaves her and says he will come back, but really that's not going to happen. Or he does come back, but just under different circumstances. And while he's away, she bears his son, which he knows nothing about. And years go by and her family's trying to get her to pick up the pieces and move on. And she just is hopeful and still naively believing that he's coming back. And when he finally does come back, it's with his American wife. It's not to it's not to come back to her and the love they shared literally in the previous act. So this this one aria and Goran Basarovia is actually the first the first time we see our introduction to to Butterfly herself is with this song. Before that it's Pinkerton singing and he's literally raising a toast not only to the wedding that's about to happen but raising a toast to when he finally finally returns to America and marries in his own word marries a real woman marries an American woman so already there's these red flags as the audience we know that it's ugh it's just stop like you want to say stop girl don't do it don't do it but she doesn't know obviously so immediately after hearing the the truer or darker intentions of like Pinkerton in his previous arias, you immediately juxtapose that with this little song and she's finally coming in and we see her for the first time. Like the, the entire opera is named after her and this is the first time we get to see her and it's just this beautiful, some of the most beautiful music I've ever, ever heard. And in it, she's expressing how excited and happy she is. Obviously, she has her her little wedding entourage with her and they singing and it's this vocal ensemble that she's floating on with her high notes. You literally have to listen. And in it, she's, she expresses how she's the happiest girl in Japan, the happiest girl in the world because love has finally called her and she's answering it. And it's beautiful but also heartbreaking and tragic because we, we know what's going to happen. We know that it's really not going to be that for her. So Angora un Basorovia, if I'm not mistaken, translates to another step to go or we, like we've got more to go. And right now they're walking up a hill towards the house or the marriage house where the wedding's supposed to happen. And they're going up and up these stairs and in the music you hear how it literally goes higher and higher they keep modulating higher and higher which emphasizes them literally walking up this hill but also her i i'd like to think of her 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 ecstasy that she's feeling and how she is on this upward trajectory according to her for her life and how love is just like taking her higher and higher. It's literally giving me Beyonce love on top because you've got you've got the um, the theme.
meditating and all the while she's you know expressing this happiness that she feels and I'm getting married today I'm gonna be madama something else because I'm a, a married woman now and little does she know and throughout this whole like, two-minute aria you have the vocal ensemble which is her friends the sopranos and altos walking with her and she's floating over them with this beautiful 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 um melody that she's singing and it's tone painting going on it's texturing going on the colors that they make just like instruments aside instruments aside you could just listen to this chorus go with the soloist on top and have a songasm i swear it so please do do listen to the song if you get the chance I don't have the answers to many things and I don't know many things but one thing I know for sure is that I'm walking down the aisle to this beautiful song. Right here, right here at the end of the, the aria when they've finally reached the summit and they're at the top of the hill walking towards the house she's singing of answering to the call of love. It's one of the most beautiful moments I've ever heard in my life. Take it from me. But, or don't, actually don't take it from me, listen to this opera, if not this entire opera, just this one aria for me. Do it for me today. Listen to the song that I'm walking down the aisle to today. Um, right at the end of the aria, you have the sopranos and altos doing this beautiful texturing thing. Um, she's up there I don't know who can reach it if you'd like to try but all together it's it culminates to this beautiful dramatic like 10 times better when my friend Ashbel, who's an opera singer, does it on the day of my wedding. Um, this has been tons of fun. It's been really fun, but I think right now I'm gonna dive into this. I'm gonna sit with the score and listen to the entire opera because I'm in the mood now. Um, I hope you have a great day or evening or afternoon, depending on when you're listening. And for a free invite to my wedding, whenever that will be, use promo code quarantine jukebox this is kevin maseko and i've had a ball